It's Tuesday the 13th of April and after two gym sessions and a burger and one and a half pints of neck oil at the swimmer last night, I feel so much better. I hope everyone's been enjoying pubs and gyms and non-essential retail. Uh, this is a conversation with Chloe Morgan, who is the Goldigans goalkeeper coach as well as the Crystal Palace goalie. Um, she's also on the board for women in football and she's a full-time solicitor on top of all of that. Absolute superstar. Chloe, I know it's a big week for you um, coming up, so best of luck with all of that. It's been so, so great to see you back at, back at training as well. Um, hope you enjoy this, this chat. It's a real good insight into how Chloe goes about planning goalkeeper sessions and balancing playing with coaching. So enjoy. I think obviously my kind of journey has been a bit, um, I've gone from championship to WSL back to championship. And I think the, the first time round going into, you know, the last, the last year that we had in championship with Spurs going into WSL, I think there was such a big jump, I suppose, in going from part-time really to having a part-time or to having a full-time job and doing part-time football in the evenings and then just having football consume your life basically as a, as a full-time player so you know the there's dietitians there's physiotherapists there's strength and conditioning coaches like but it's it becomes your kind of day-to-day routine and every single day you're on the pitch and you're seeing your team and um you're doing the analysis and all those kind of extra hours that, that you put in definitely um you know it makes such a big difference really so I suppose the jump from championship to WSL was, I mean, it, it took a lot of getting used to. I think my body definitely, uh, the demands of your body are definitely increased because obviously you're training so much and, you know, you're supplementing that as well with, with gym sessions. Um, so, yeah, I think it was, it was physically tiring, but I think you get into a bit of a routine um, when you're doing it so so regularly. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. But now I suppose making that transition back into championship, I mean, the championship looks completely different now. So we're, we're sort of playing against a mixture of part-time and full-time teams. And, you know, you do notice the difference when you play the likes of, you know, someone like Leicester City, who have now become a full-time outfit, that they have the benefit of those additional hours and, you know, additional sessions and analysis and things. And, and that definitely shows. Um, but no, I mean, it's fun. It's definitely a fun league. It's very, very competitive um, because even at part-time level, you're still you know, training three, four times a week and doing matches on a Sunday. So the level is still still pretty intense and pretty high. But they're the strongest team you played against, you think, Leicester? Yeah, I think Leicester's probably up there. Um, Durham, I've also, uh, I mean, they've been in and around the championship for, for quite a while now and they've sort of always been waiting on the edge of going into WSL, but um, never really kind of had that that final push to, to make it to the top. But, you know, Leicester, you know, they, you know, credit to them. They work hard. You can tell that they do their analysis. You they're doing their, um, you know, strength conditioning and things like that. And, and they're a powerful team to, to play against. But it's always that kind of additional boost, I think. You know, we played them recently and we lost 1-0 in, in the 88th minute. And that was, it was absolutely devastating for us. But it's sort of, it was a credit to us, I suppose, to hold off a team that has that additional edge uh, for so long. So, um, yeah. You don't realise the advantage you've got when you're in it and you're doing it all the time until you come up against a team who maybe don't have everything that you've just talked about in terms of provision mm-hmm. and habits and routines and nutrition and analysis um, yeah. and those extra coaches that maybe the extra pair of hands you can clip up a, a snippet of a game I guess eventually that's gonna those those little incremental gains are gonna are gonna show yeah absolutely I think like you said I think it is those little subtle things that you know 
you might not even realize that are going on behind the scenes um but you know the, the additional advice that you get about what to eat and how to prep for a game or the additional recovery sessions that you might be able to get as you know as opposed to a full-time player who might be doing another side job or, or whatever it is and you know the additional analysis and the kind of like you said the you know the clips and uh, you know watching out for key players or where the key attacks are going to be and you know those little sort of fine margins make start to make a, a big difference so um yeah but I think we're quite fortunate at Palace that we've sort of got quite a lot of that already covered it's just the additional time I suppose that that we don't have being being part-time. How do you go about doing that personally to get to get ready for games? Yeah so we have quite a few ways that um Palace have um have started to use in terms of kind of the game analysis so we use um, a platform called Huddle um where a lot of our clips and things are, are downloaded um clips of our own footage to, to look back on and review but also clips of you know teams that we're about to play and to kind of assess where their strengths are where their weaknesses are and kind of develop a, a strategy for how best to approach the game um but also we we have a kind of a powerpoint sort of presentation that our um, our guys put together about key players um what to look for you know statistics um you know, from a goalkeeper perspective, you know, we want to know who the kind of main threats are going to be, where or what sides the, the likely attacks are going to be coming from. Are they sort of quite a direct team? Are they, do they like to pass through the middle? Do they like to play? Um, are they, do they rely mainly on set plays? They, those kind of things. So, you know, a couple of days or we, we, sort, we sort of we have a week really before each game to kind of prepare for the Sunday game. So we kind of spend that time looking at all those different facets to kind of put us in a position to go out and you know give it our best shot has there been a particular game where that preparation has stood out for you it's like oh yeah I'm glad I did that extra little bit and it paid off on a match day um I think it really came together actually I think last weekend uh when we played London City um and they're a full-time outfit so they're you know they're, they're difficult opposition um and it was the first time really that I saw the whole team really come together and implement a, a strategy um exactly how we kind of set out to do it and it was mainly about frustrating the opposition making them play um you know the different style that they necessarily want to be playing in um you know who to look out for who was going to be the kind of people to, to kind of take out of the games you know how high a position that I should adopt to try and clear up any balls that are going behind the back so um yeah I'd say London City was kind of the um the kind of turning point I suppose I suppose for us yeah mm-hmm. You mentioned like your starting position and being higher or lower, maybe depending on how attacks attacks are building. How have you how have you adjusted to a new team in that sense? It's not so much a transition between uh, Championship and WSL, but it's a transition every week in terms of the kind of opposition that we're playing. So we might feel more confident confident with a, a different type of opposition one week than we might adopt a kind of more defensive strategy or a more attacking strategy, depending on who we're we're going up against. Um, and that's always been the case as well, even even at Spurs. I mean, you know, even though we were kind of progressing up the league and, and doing really well in that kind of championship year, we still had games where we knew that it was going to be a really tough game. So we would adopt maybe a different strategy as we would maybe a game that we thought might be slightly easier. Um, so I think it is kind of game dependent. And I think it's it's a lot about um, the kind of relationships that you start to build with your defence. They start to know your ability. They, they start to know what kind of balls that you like played behind. You're, the more you communicate with your defence, you start to build up that kind of trust that they can trust to play passbacks to you or they know the ability in terms of your, um, you know, your distribution and things like that. So you know, the more you play with the team, the more trust builds and the more you get to kind of adapt your play 
to work as a as a unit effectively. That's what the kind of end goal is. Who are the players that stand out from from who you played with? Um, I mean, I, I'll always say I think you know Jenna uh, Scalacci was our captain at, at Spurs, um, and she was a fantastic defender, uh, very solid, very experienced, very calm under pressure. And I think, you know, that's that's the kind of ideal of what you would be looking for in a, in a defender. And, and we have a couple of those defenders at, at Palace. And, you know, one of the, the girls who plays, um, Lita Rutherford, very experienced, very calm, very collected, um, rarely loses the ball. You know that when she's got it, you feel safe, you feel secure. And, and I think for a, a goalkeeper, that's absolutely paramount that you've got someone in front of you who you just trust on and, and rely on. And, and equally, you want that them to feel exactly the same way about about you as well. So... Yeah, I've definitely played with and continue to play with people that, um, you know, great, great defenders. Yeah. Being the keeper is like being the bassist and being the centre-backs are like being the drummer in the band. And as long as you two are clicking, then everything's fine. I mean, you definitely can't operate as a single unit as a goalkeeper. It just doesn't work. You can't have goalkeeper separately, defence, then midfield and then attacking. It it needs to be your kind of five-person unit, I think, at the back. You know, I need to be able to trust on them when I play out and I need to know what their abilities are like and what they feel comfortable doing and, and likewise they need to know that you know I'm not great with those type of passes or actually I'm more likely to come for that type of ball so that we can all work and like you said sort of all singing from the same hymn sheet yeah. Have you got a preference in terms of like a, a favourite formation to play in? Four at the back I always like I mean we've um, definitely had a couple of experimental games where we've gone five at the back and definitely, I suppose, uh, maybe a couple of seasons ago, we, you know, for easier games, we might go three at the back if we wanted to really sort of press home and, you know, start the sort of pr- more pressured attack, I suppose, up, up front. But for me, as long as there's four at the back, I'm not too fussed with what the midfield and the attacking setup is is like. Just, just give me my four. Mm-hmm. And I guess from there, you can think about what's the ideal profile of a player if you're going to be looking to play wide, if you're going to be playing up to someone, can it be someone who can hold the ball up with their with their back to goal? How are you? Um, how are you adjusting to to coaching more regularly? Absolutely loving it. Yeah, um, yeah I think it's it's such a a weird thing, I suppose, because I never intended to kind of grow up and be a coach. Being a coach was never ever on my radar as of you know a couple of years ago. I just never thought that that was something that I would get into or be involved in at all. So um yeah I was quite fortunate really I suppose with playing at Spurs full-time and obviously I'd gone on my sabbatical with with law so we used to have a couple of days off during the week where we wouldn't do anything and everyone else was at work so I was kind of just twiddling my thumbs wondering what to do and um I saw some teams sort of pop up on an Instagram and, and obviously saw GDFC as well and um spoke to Fleur and said I'll you know if you ever fancied like me coming down and doing a goalkeeper session I'd be happy to just come along and um and help you guys out if you, if you want. And Flo was like, yeah, like, yeah, absolutely come down. And um, yeah, I just remember like the first time I was so nervous turning up to the session because I'd just never done it before. And I didn't know sort of what everyone's abilities were going to be like or whether they even wanted anyone to coach them in goal. And it just ended up being the most fantastic experience. Um, yeah. And now obviously I'm able to do that on a more regular basis, a couple of times a month and, it's just amazing because I think when you've got that goalkeeper union that you can work with really regularly and you can kind of see them develop and start to take on board all the kind of things that you wanted to instill in them at the start and they start to do it as as natural as a natural thing they don't think about the techniques they just start doing it and 
you kind of just feel this overwhelming sense of pride that they're just sort of um, your little union growing up and developing as fully fledged goalkeepers. Um, so yeah, it's been amazing to to watch that. So yeah, but I'm looking forward to getting back out there. It's frustrating not to be able to um, to see them and, and keep working on things. We'll get there eventually. Don't know when, but it'll, it'll be back. <laughs> how do you prepare to coach a session with Gold Diggers and how much of that session or the way you're going to communicate ideas comes from the fact that you're playing at a really, really high level regularly? Um, I think I try and take an a, a experience. So a lot of what I've kind of been used to from sort of high level goalkeeper coaches um, and also kind of take my experience from, you know, being a player myself and still continuing to be a player and, you know, having that real understanding of the kind of pressures and demands that you face every Sunday. So I don't go into it just thinking, oh, this is a technical session. You're going to learn this today. It's more about this is what you need to learn in terms of the technical ability. But actually, you know, in a game scenario, what does it come down to and how are you feeling when this is taking place? So I think that's something that I've been able to develop, I think, the more that I do the sessions. Um, you know, before every session I, I put together, I maybe spend about half an hour, 45 minutes putting together a kind of session plan of the different topics that I want to go through. So I kind of, at the start of the year, um, gave all the goalkeepers a kind of list of what the things we were going to work on. So it was going to be kind of um, distribution or um, plan out from the back or communication or shot stopping, handling. Um, those kind of things um, but trying to put them in a game type scenario so there's no point just doing catching a ball catching a ball catching a ball all the time because it's not realistic you're going to be called upon called upon in a game to do loads of different types of saves loads of different types of movements so it's about trying to put that into a, a game scenario and also just appreciate that there are the kind of mental aspects to, to goalkeeper coaching in terms of you know, developing confidence, you know, instilling resilience if things go wrong or you make a mistake, how to get back from that, how to bounce back from that quickly. So, and those are all things that I kind of draw on from my experience because, you know, I've been there. I, I know how horrible it is sometimes when you, you mess up and you feel like you've let everyone down. So it's about kind of just saying that we know you're not going to be perfect and that's absolutely fine, but you're doing your best. Yeah. Well, would you say you've got like a philosophy for coaching goalkeepers or like maybe principles that you fall back on what how what, what would you what would you say those are I think the kind of underlying facets of what I kind of bring or try to bring through in, in my sessions are instilling confidence um empowering the the people that I work with um to to be more confident in their own abilities and developing resilience as well because I think that's one thing in goalkeeping that I think you need to appreciate that the mistakes are going to be made and that it is quite a high pressured it's probably the most highly pressured um position on the pitch I think because you know you could have a striker who misses five chances and everyone goes oh that was you know that was a bit naff but you have a goalkeeper who waits one single mistake or you know plays the wrong pass or makes the wrong decision and you know that's a goal let in and that's a that's a loss so um I think it's about kind of shouldering that responsibility but also sort of dealing and, and becoming stronger mentally to, to kind of overcome those those battles I think on, on the pitch in the 90 minutes because it it's uh yeah it's intense it can be very intense it's a very very um powerful position it's lonely like it's just lonely it you're wearing a different <laughs> kit you might warm up on your own it's interesting what you say about about the like game related practices because I think that's such a big thing now particularly I feel like when you're coaching outfield players it's like okay we're going to do turning but 
when you turn here, we're going to make sure that you're turning because there's someone in front of you or you're by the touchline or, okay, we're doing receiving. We're going to do receiving on your back foot. Why? Because if you receive on your back foot, that opens up this, this, this. Um, I wonder how you go about balancing the game, game related practices with like fundamentally executing quite technical, quite technical actions. If we think about mm -hmm. like, a low diving save versus a collapsing save or like hitting doubles to catch the ball. Like if you can't do those things in isolation, then you probably can't do them in a game. And I wonder how you, how you work with those potentially like conflicting ideas. In session. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's been quite useful actually where the gold digger sessions have become, um, we, we kind of have quite long sessions. So normally we have a two hour session um, and at the start we'll do a bit of a warm up. And then we'll go straight into kind of technical sessions. So it'd be a lot of handling, a lot of, um, at the moment we're working on barriers and the right barriers and, and getting down to, to shape, getting your hands behind the ball quickly, those kind of things. And also just simple things like footwork. So just playing a pass with your right foot, playing a pass with your left foot as well. Because, you know, for me, my left foot's always been a weakness of mine. So it's always something that I've wanted to, to make sure that that's not something that's been forgotten, I suppose, as you go along. Because a lot of the goalkeeping game now is developed and you are expected to be essentially an outfield player and a goalkeeper and, you know, to assist with those attacks and to be a line of, you know, a fifth, um, an avenue out for, a, you know, to be a fifth defender, essentially. So footwork is just as important as handling. So we normally work on the kind of technical session for maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes or so, and then we'll progress that into a different type of game scenario. So it'll be shot stopping or, reactions or you know quick feet like to, to move across the goal um to, to get yourself prepped for a shot so it's kind of it, it, i make sure that every session is kind of half and half technical and then going into a, a game situation because i think they're just as important as each other mm -hmm. when i'm thinking about planning sessions particularly in in a goal diggers context so much of it has to be okay yeah we might need to get some repetitions in but it's going to be just as important to allow players opportunities to have success in games you know and like the combination of those two things hopefully sets them up sets them up for a match day because if you haven't done it in a game in training you probably aren't going to be able to do it on a match day if you can't even do it in isolation then it's probably not going to come to you in when someone's you know bearing down on goal or if someone's standing on your back trying to nick the ball yeah no I completely agree I think repetition is one of those things that it, it can be a bit monotonous it can be a bit boring it's not particularly inspiring but you know you start to see the the real benefits of doing a session like that over and over again because actually when you go into the the kind of outfield practices I've noticed that my goalkeepers now are starting to do those things as basic a standard they don't need teaching about the kind of basics anymore because they're already employing them in the game scenarios so we can then learn to sort of develop that and, and get into a, a higher level um kind of coaching session so I think it's it's one of those things I don't particularly like to do because it just feels like a bit of a cop out to kind of do the same thing over and over again. But it is it is important. I agree. Yeah. When um, when I feel like often when goalkeepers are, are talked about, it might you know it might be like oh they've got great reflexes or like their shot stopping instincts or like they're so brave to go and dive at the feet of a striker. Um, do you do you feel like you can coach those things or? And, and, and if not, how, how, does, how do goalkeepers get better at those, those things, do you think? I think, it's, I think I've coached goalkeepers who generally have less of a fear of danger. So there are people who naturally, I think, grow up through whatever their kind of backgrounds and naturally are kind of 
happy to throw themselves around on the floor, happy to kind of dive at people's feet or, you know, happy to take a bit of more of a hard knock. And, and you coach people, I think, who are a bit more reluctant to kind of throw themselves into kind of dangerous situations. And a lot of, you know, I've suffered my fair, fair share of concussions. It's, um, it is a dangerous position. You're constantly sort of putting yourself in situations where you're likely to break something or the ball's likely to hit you in a horrible way. Um, yeah, so I think it's about kind of, developing confidence in those that maybe don't have as much confidence um and to do that I think it's it's basically kind of baby steps into building up onto something like a so if we're working on a, a dive or a kind of high dive it's about kind of getting the the movement and technique right in a smaller environment and then it's about kind of building that into maybe a mid-height dive and then working on then sort of getting to a situation where it's a little bit of a higher dive but that all takes a lot of time but then after a while I think because there are ways that you can dive in which it's it, you're likely to cause yourself less injury and that you can do it in a kind of safer way. So it's about also, you know, protecting your bodies, um, but also kind of putting yourself into a situation in a, in a game scenario where you're not thinking about anything but saving that ball. And that sometimes is um, there's a, there's a conflict there because you are essentially throwing yourself around quite, quite a lot. Um, but yeah, it's about kind of yeah developing confidence in in baby steps for situations like that. Yeah. You mentioned the example of like diving at a striker's feet. Is that I, like I just when I whenever I'm watching whenever I'm watching games, it feels like when a keeper comes out and smothers the ball at a striker's feet, that's like one of the most satisfying things that you as a keeper can do. Is that a fair a fair thing to say? I think either that or I reckon sort of pulling out a top bins saves kind of a fingertip onto the bar type situation I think that's probably like the photo opportunity type save yeah, yeah either that <laughs> yeah <laughs> how old were you when you started playing probably about six I think yeah but I I played in defense um for the majority of my life really it wasn't until I was I think was it about 18 19 um that I started playing in goal so I came to it quite quite late really yeah mm -hmm. and what, what like why did you end up in goal uh so I was playing for a um a women's team in Leighton like a Sunday league team that my dad actually coached and, and managed uh coach Clive and we would uh play every Sunday and then one game we had where the goalkeeper at the time dislocated her knee during the game like her kneecap just completely shifted to the other side of her leg it was awful um but yeah I said I'll just I'll step in uh quite happy to go in goal anyway and just give it a shot and then just ended up absolutely loving it um yeah and finding that I sort of had a bit of a ability about myself and just carried on playing there pretty much until the end of the season. Um, and then, yeah, after that, I, I thought maybe I'll try my luck and, and um, trial out at Spurs. And then the rest is history. Yeah, so <laughs> it's not been the kind of most conventional route into, into goalkeeping. Do you feel like having played in, in, in defence or playing outfield when you were younger helps you now? Absolutely. I yeah. think kind of having that understanding, um, sort of game awareness, and game awareness in an outfield situation has definitely helped um, kind of get a greater understanding of what it is that my defenders might need from me and um, just dealing with outfield player a lot more. Um, and in terms of like now the game obviously is now progressing into kind of distribution a lot more. So I'm able to kind of pick out passes that maybe um, I wouldn't have done had I just sort of started my life in, in goal. So yeah, I'm quite fortunate really that, um, it's kind of ended up that way, yeah. Yeah, it's not a, not a bad advantage. I think the the dynamic of 
the kind of um or the remit of my role as a goalkeeper I think has been fairly consistent I think I don't think much has really changed I think sometimes um you know we get games where we might be more comfortable in possession and therefore you know I'll see a lot more of the ball and it'll be quite easy passes back and out the other side and you know sometimes we'll be under such a high press that actually the only option is to just loft it long and, and hope that you kind of hit the the number nine and they can start their own attack sort of um but that's been the case at sort of a lot of clubs that I've, I've been at it just depends on on the game scenario because I think you know with the clubs that I played at, I've had very varied experiences where you've you know we've been on top or we've been the underdogs and um yeah I think your role kind of develops and sort of changes depending on who your opposition is a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Do you have time to watch the teams that you're playing against? Do you have time to watch championship games or watch WSL games? Uh, so I normally catch the highlights um, on the FA player after the games, yeah. Um, but I think in terms of, you know, I don't really have a lot of time, I suppose, like during the week with my job and, and doing the training sessions themselves. So a lot of the time that I spend actually watching the championship games is because I've got that opposition at the weekend. So we'll watch clips of their strikers or clips of how they develop play and um, look at the statistics and things like that. So, yeah, I don't get a chance to watch all of the games, no. No, there's so much football. I mean, like, don't, I think the, the FA player is unreal. To have it all there in one place, in one platform is is amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, particularly when kickoffs aren't being staggered and you're trying to watch two games simultaneously and it might be, a, you know, like yesterday, I went to watch Spurs. Flo was commentating on uh, uh, Chelsea United. So I wanted to listen to that. So I had this like weird thing where I was like, okay, is that for this game or that game? And then there's like another late kickoff. And then, yeah, it's just all, all a bit much. Who's, um, who's impressed you in terms of uh, WSL teams this year? Oh, God. I mean, Man United have been absolutely outstanding. I think even when they first started in the championship, when because um, obviously they were a new team to the league when, um, I think that was 2018, was it at that time? Um, and they came from nowhere. So Casey Stoney pretty much just built a team, um, got in some incredible players, and that's obviously now developed and she's got even better players. But taking it from where it was, you know, three years ago now, and now they're sitting almost top at the table and they're giving the likes of Chelsea a run for their money and Arsenal and Man City and you're thinking this is an absolute powerhouse of a team um, to have gone from not existing to top of the WSL, top of the English league which is now sort of becoming almost the best league in women's football in the world potentially and you just think that's an astronomical rise. I mean credit credit to Casey Stoney because she's she's been absolutely awesome in, in, um, in building that. Like whatever they're doing, they're just they're doing it right. The success is based on like realistic expectations. Like fair play to them if they came in and said we can win the league this year because they are. If they do, if it doesn't happen this year, they are right in the mix for the next couple of seasons. Absolutely, they're definitely ones to watch if they don't win it this year. But yeah, they'll be Champions Leagues. They'll be yeah, they're they're going places. So when you came to run that first session, we were still at Holloway. I think <laughs> even then, the prospect of a big space and you know having been able to increase numbers and get you a decent decent amount of space with good numbers to run a goalkeeper session for two hours was like yeah it just wasn't I don't think it was not really a a reality I I don't Mm -hmm. think and then obviously with the pitch and we've been able to make it happen what would you like your involvement with Goldiggers to be in the next like three years five years like how do you see how do you see particularly I guess the keeper side of things progressing 
I mean, I'd love to get more involved. I think it's been quite difficult this year because obviously time's been limited with the um, training that I'm doing at Palace. But I think obviously I'm, you know, getting on. I'm getting a little bit older in terms of my playing career. And at some point I'll probably have to hang my boots up. Um, but coaching is one of those things that I've absolutely grown to love and adore. And I see it being a part of my future now. So for me, the best scenario would be to, to spend more time with goal diggers to kind of work on developing the goalkeeper union more regularly and having sort of more sessions um, with them, kind of weekly sessions so that I can at least have that kind of, you can see a quickness of progression and we can start working on other things and more advanced practices and more advanced techniques. So um, yeah, that would be my absolute ideal, just getting to work with the union more often. Yeah, I think with and with more, with more time comes the possibility of more specificity. So you can say, right, mm-hmm. we're doing this is this is a session where we're going to work on playing in a five a side game. We're going to work mm-hmm. on playing in a seven a side game, playing eleven a side, and that that's where I think that's where to be honest, we've made the biggest jump over the last however I don't know twenty ish twenty four weeks we've been at Haggerston because that bigger space has allowed us to say, okay, like bigger numbers of players in sessions, but also more goals. So we can have more players shooting at goals, more goalkeepers making saves in goals. Um, and and uh, yeah, it's, it's paying off. Like you, whatever you're doing with the goalies is working. Clean sheet central. Um, I mean, this is everything that I wanted to happen this year. Um, but I think even what you're saying on in terms of the space and the kind of, um, you know, the goal, the access to, to goals and things like that, I think it would be amazing to kind of have a link up or more of a link up between the goalkeepers and a defensive unit and um, to look at kind of doing more um, sessions as a whole with maybe all the units to kind of see about, you know, different types of game scenarios or how we'd set up for different opposition and things like that. Because like you said, I, I suppose goalkeeping is a bit of an isolated unit when you're just doing the goalkeeper coaching. But I think it would be really good to potentially work together at some point in the future on a, on a session. Okay. Yeah. So, that. um, pending, yeah, pending 2021 22. That season is going to be, yeah, that's the hardest thing, isn't it? It's been so stop start. And when you feel like you're getting to the point where you can make a plan to do something, it's just gone, and then it's okay. Yeah. Just everyone maintain, maintain, maintain for six, eight months, whatever. Um, it's really hard. No, I think for sure that's 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 definitely where I see us moving to. Um, and having, yeah, having having the buy in from the players, which I think is is there like there's never going to be a week where no one turns up you know there's always 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 going to be numbers um and thinking about them getting the most out of those sessions i think it, yeah inevitably the next step is 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 joining joining sessions up definitely yeah absolutely i'm looking forward to it would you think about doing like outfield coaching qualifications as well or are you like set on the idea that like you're a goalkeeper and a goalkeeper coach um, I think I was thinking about doing sort of outfield qualifications, but I think it was quite difficult at the time because the FA to, to progress in your um, goalkeeper coaching badges, you had to have done your outfield player badges to go up to the levels. But I think the FA have now changed the structure and that you can now just do goalkeeping. And to be honest, my love and my passion is always goalkeeping. So I would have done the outfield sessions probably reluctantly. Um, but also, I suppose, probably gained a lot more knowledge in, you know, out, more outfield play and strategy and things like that. But for me, my focus is always going to be on goalkeeping. And that's where um, I kind of see my um, bigger involvement happening. But, yeah, working with outfield players in the sense that having that kind of defensive unit work. But I wouldn't really want to get myself too involved with, you know, 
pressing and high attacks and things like that and setting up for different types of opposition sort of more upfield because that's just their I don't know, it's definitely not on my strengths. To be fair, it's probably one of the better decisions that the FA have made in terms of allowing someone who wants to be a specialist to go and be a specialist. Like we should be hundred mm-hmm. percent supporting that in the way that other countries do, you know, and like, you know, throwing coaches, how is that a job that someone can coach throw-ins? But like that's a real thing. So we yeah. I didn't even realise that was a real thing. <laughs> yeah, Liverpool have got this got this throwing coach. I think he started as like a He's one of those ones, I think you've probably seen it more where someone's like, I'm a consultant and anyone can hire me. But then as soon as you present the argument, you know, like their, their, their thing was that they were losing the ball loads on throw-ins. They were like one of the worst teams at retaining possession from throw-ins. Bring this guy in who just works on attacking and defending throw-ins. And now they're like easily the best team at the league and maintaining possession from a throw-in. Um, that's to go mad. Yeah, but that's but that's the advantage of you know specialists and elite environments and a big team of coaches who can who can who can think about that bit that, that sort of but stuff. But where does that even stop? I mean, would you have like corner coaches and like oh, yeah. free kick coaches oh, and God, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, it's an interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you when you talk about like uh, getting ready for games and and analyzing things and and data and all, all that that side of things, that I guess. If it's going to happen at grassroots, it's going to be that some, I don't know. Maybe we get really lucky and someone chooses to sponsor us and give us a ton of access to equipment and that sort of things. Like how how much can we we as a grassroots club take from from the pro game in terms of data and analytics and clips and videos? You think? Um, I think there's all. I, I suppose it, it depends on the, your opposition and what data exists for your opposition. So I suppose at grassroots level a lot of the games aren't filmed. So I think it'd be quite difficult to kind of build up an idea of what a particular team in, in the league might be doing or where their attacks start from or how they like to play out from the back or, or whatever it is. Because I suppose that data doesn't yet exist. But I suppose as we kind of progress, I think you will start to find that maybe more people do take an interest in kind of the grassroots game more or it becomes more easily accessible and easily affordable, I think, to have those kind of platforms easily available to kind of have a look at at teams and you know even when I was playing at Spurs and this was before you know we were any kind of setup at all we'd still have someone who would film the games just on a a camera with a tripod just to kind of get an idea of our setup the other team setup because I suppose with the leagues you're always going to play that team again at some point so it's always good to have an idea of what worked before what didn't work before um even just someone just with a just a normal camera even a camera phone or such but um yeah, I think you'll start to see that data emerge, but I think not, not probably not for a while. Yeah, no, not for a while. Yeah, we're gonna take. It's gonna take like a big VO cam decide to sponsor someone or I don't know, something something like that. Um, you said that you hadn't gone back and looked at um, looked at the the game. Like when when you do go and watch things back, are you someone who's like really like critical and like oh god this this is wrong and this is wrong, or are you do you can you watch it back and be a bit more objective about I get, yeah, yourself individually, but but then also a team performance. Um, I think it's difficult as a goalkeeper when you've had a game where goals have gone in. So if you don't have a clean sheet, it means that, you know, essentially something's gone wrong. And whether that's your own performance or defensively or whatever it is on that day. So I think it's, for me, I always, as soon as a goal go in, goes in, there's always this sense of, what could I have done differently already on even on the pitch and I shouldn't do that what I should do is just put it to one side park it and just carry on with the game but in my head I'm already thinking okay if I'd have stepped half a foot to the left or if I'd have 
um, not anticipated this or if I'd have like, hold, held my position or called to my defender to do X, Y and Z. So I think when I look over the footage that you're always going to be critical where a goal has gone in because something could have been done better. Um, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm learning now, I think, more to take an objective view on it. Obviously, every time a goal goes in doesn't necessarily think mean it's something that I've done. It could be us collectively as a defensive unit. It could be something even from further up the field and that, you know, we haven't defended from the front properly. Um, so, yeah, but it's hard. It is hard, like, because you take it as your kind of responsibility to kind of do better. So, yeah, it's um, it's a difficult it's difficult watching back over footage, especially where you know that a goal goes in and you think, oh, no, I, I could have done, I could have done better here. Yeah, mm. it's, it's difficult. That ownership point is so, it's like, feels like it's like extra prescient for a keeper. Um, mm-hmm. And I think goes against the way that a lot of goalkeeping, like the way that goalkeeping is sometimes discussed in, in post-match or analysts, you know, I so often hear like, no goalkeeper in the world could have saved that or like, the key, you know, keeper could never have saved that. But like, as someone's saying that, the goalkeeper's probably watching it back being like, as you just said, I could have stepped to my left or, oh, if I'd extended or led with this arm or, you know, coaches like looking further up the pitch. Why did we play that pass? That's a risky pass, lost possession and straight away we're, we're in a position mm-hmm. to concede. Um, I don't know, is that, is, is that fair? I feel like goalkeepers are kind of, the, the way that's talked about, it's just like, oh, it was a great strike, that's it, done. And I don't know, that just think- that doesn't sit right with me, I guess. Yeah, a lot of people will, will say that. I think, like you said, they'll kind of give it a bit of a vague, you know, it was top bins, there was nothing you could have done about that one. But I think for any goalkeeper that I've ever come across, there'll always be this kind of um, internal battle with, okay, what could I realistically have done about that situation? I might not have been able to save it, but could I have done something in the lead up to that that would have meant that that shot wasn't taken? Could I have communicated better to my defence for that particular point? Or could I have got a hand to it? Did I, like you said, did I lead with the right hand? Was my body shape correct? Was I um, in the right position? And I think it's difficult with goalkeeping because a lot of it, I think, is actual science. A lot of it is physics and being in the right position and learning the flight of the ball, the pace of the ball, the, um, you know, the conditions of the, the pitch itself, the position of where you are, the angles, it's, it's very scientific. So, you know, there's always going to be a scenario that you could have said, I could have done, I could have been in this position earlier. I could have stretched with this hand better. I could have been doing, there are always going to be a situation where you could have done better to have saved that goal. Um, but I mean, you can't, you can't, in, it, because it's such a split second thing, goalkeeping and, and just being on the field as, a, as any kind of player is, is split second decision-making um, that you kind of have to bring it into a realistic you know arena you can't physically process all that information at once all at the same time and a lot of it is just you know building on experience so um even though it is a scientific formula i think in terms of you know the kind of flight and weight and the conditions and things like that it is also about reading things like body shape and you know players that you've come against before and how your defense will deal with something or where the kind of blind spots are going to be and and i think it's it's adding that layer to your kind of analysis as well and and trying to be kind to yourself because regardless of all that you are still going to make mistakes whether you're De Gea whether you're grassroots whether you're in any kind of sport you're 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 going to make mistakes and you're not always going to get it right but um and you might not get it right again the second time or the third time but as long as you're trying and you know where those weaknesses are and you're trying to develop on that I think 
you know, I'll give a lot of credit to, to that. What are the, would you say that there are common characteristics that goalkeepers, that, that unites goalkeepers? I think it takes a specific type of person to want to put yourself in front of a ball that's moving 60, 70 miles an hour <laughs> over and over again um, with just a pair of gloves on. So I think, um, I think you've got to be kind of naturally quite brave in a way, like you said, to kind of put yourself in quite dangerous situations sometimes, you know, throwing yourself at you know people's feet or getting you know blocking the 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 shot with you know your body your your foot your arm your chest your your face sometimes um you know and i've had loads of situations where you know you've, you've hit the post or you know you've you've got a kick to your your head and you know you, you you do naturally get yourself in quite quite dangerous situations so i think there has to be kind of this sense of you know i know what i'm getting myself in for here it's not the safest position on the pitch um but yeah, and I think there is, a, I think it's, I, I wouldn't say that you have to be a certain type of person to be a goalkeeper, but naturally the people who gravitate towards goalkeeping, I think, are of a certain type that they do kind of want something a bit different and they kind of like the autonomy and freedom that I think you get from being a goalkeeper more than an outfield player and that there is that kind of, you know, um, being able to put your stamp on a position, I suppose, goalkeeping is is that. And yeah, I think a lot of goalkeepers are very naturally quite self-critical about their performances because I think like you said it's quite an isolated position so even though you're playing as a team it's very easy to, pin to pinpoint what it was that you did um, if mistakes are, are made. Mm -hmm. Have you got like a set routine for getting ready for a game? Have you got like the warm-up that you do regularly or do you find that like that's changed as you've developed as a player? What, what does that look like for you at the moment? Yeah, so I've definitely got a bit of a routine. I think it's, I think that's another thing about goalkeepers. We can be quite superstitious. Um, so we like things that, well, for me, I, I definitely know a fair few goalkeepers who like a sense of routine and knowing exactly what's going to happen next. So, you know, in my sessions, we'll do handling, we'll do longer shot stopping, uh, we'll go into corners and crosses and things like that, sort of. And then we'll go into wider shot stopping with um, kind of more game scenarios with the outfield players, um, ending up with a few kind of kicks, distribution, kicks from hands, goal kicks, things like that. And then I'll normally go in five minutes earlier than everyone else, get myself sorted, have a couple of minutes of just, you know, being in the change room in pure quiet by myself. Um, yeah, and I've got a lucky towel as well. I love a lucky um, glove towel that looks a bit like a Christmas tea towel. It's a bit <laughs> weird. Um, but yeah, I always have that and I always put that to the right-hand side of my goal. It always covers my drinks bottle. I don't. I, it's just something that I have to have to do I'm not saying it's even a lucky thing because obviously I've let goals in with it being there and stuff but I just that's my kind of routine and I think even that towel for me is something that I I go to it if something's happened so if there is kind of a, a mistake that's been made or even something really good has happened I'll go to the towel kind of to reset myself like just to wipe my gloves down just to go yep yeah, Chloe this has happened process it move on put it to bed throw the towel down get back in the game yeah it's funny when we had Leah Williamson on she said that she wears a hairband and when she feels like she's not a hundred percent in the zone she'll like ping the hairband on her head and it will like hit her head and then she'll think like okay right snap back in um mm -hmm. and it sounds like that's a similar thing with the with the towel absolutely I think you kind of you, you it can be quite a mental thing when you're on the pitch and it's there's a lot of pressure going on and you want to perform like to perfection basically and you know what you should be doing and sometimes you there's a bit of a conflict between what you should be doing and what your body's actually doing. So you know you should be playing a pass over there or you know you should be in this position, but your body's just not doing that. And I think sometimes 
you need to just have that kind of reset button that's like okay that's not gone to plan for the last five minutes reset it move on deal with it later because you only have 90 minutes on the pitch so there's no point sitting there going oh I could have done this I could have done this because by the time you sat there and done that you've probably done another five minutes of making mistakes because you've been thinking about the past five minutes so there needs to be a cutoff where you just you just start again have you played other sports did you play other sports growing up uh no so I tried my hand at a few things when I was a lot younger so I tried ballet and was absolutely shocking just <laughs> really really bad um did swimming a uh, bit of karate um yeah but nothing really stuck yeah football's always been something that I've I've uh, I've knew that I wanted to get involved in yeah from, mm-hmm. from a young age yeah yeah no it's interesting just because I feel like there's there's certain certain players who will say the fact that I did so and so for six years means that I'm better at the, 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 in a in a in a game in a game now. But ballet and goalkeeping perhaps not so much. Um I mean maybe the footwork, but I mean <laughs> I was about three or four when I was like, when I was doing ballet, yeah, and I was just I was crap. I was so bad. <laughs> um cool. Um that's wicked Chloe. Perfect. Done. Amazing. Thank you so much. No, no worries, yeah. I really enjoyed that. <laughs>